Welcome to HubSpot's Unconventional Business Podcast. I'm your host, James Gilbert. The best companies are the ones that make it incredibly easy and delightful to do business with. It's seamless, frictionless, intuitive. It's not just a better experience, they're actually disrupting our very notion of what consumers should be able to expect from companies. You see, Aussies and Kiwis are a hard bunch to please. We have some of the highest expectations in the world, and luckily for us, our homegrown businesses know this. This season, on HubSpot's Unconventional Business, you'll be meeting some of our best homegrown brands as they share how they're growing and winning by disrupting the customer experience. Let's meet today's guest. Welcome to our final episode of season one. Today, we have a really exciting company and one which, quite frankly, I wish existed when I was growing up. We're being joined by the founders of Heaps Normal, a local breakout non-alcoholic beer company. Pete, Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. So, Pete, maybe to get started, for people who haven't heard about Heaps Normal, how would you describe your brand and your company? Yeah, so uh, Heaps Normal uh, is real beer without the hangover. Um, we are a non-alcoholic beer company. Uh, we've, we've started here in Sydney, Australia, um, and uh, we're made up of uh, four co-founders, myself, Peter Brennan, um, Andy Miller, who is our, uh, our CEO, uh, Ben, who is our, um, our amazing brewer, who's created a, an incredible liquid, and then um, a pro surfer named Geordie Smith, who's one of our co-founders as well. Um, and we, we came together over a beer and, and um, you know, noticed that we all had different reasons for wanting to cut down our alcohol intake and started a conversation. Um, and fast, view, fast forward a, a year or so, and um, here we are. We've got a, we've got a company and a, a beer that tastes really good and is, is thankfully getting, getting noticed. And what were some of those reasons? Do you like what, what I understand, I guess the most obvious one is people who drink, they're like, oh, I wish I didn't have a hangover, but I feel like you have deeper reasons than that and a wider variety of reasons. Like what were some of those? Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, for, for me, um, you know, it's, it, it's, we, we all have our own reasons. And I think, you know, for me on a, on a personal level, um, my my dad was an alcoholic. I lost him to suicide when I was 11 years old, and I've kind of always grown up in that shadow. And subsequently, I've I've never had a good relationship with alcohol. Like I've I've um, you know, growing up was just it wasn't it wasn't very good memories of you know growing up in London as a young single guy and just getting drunk and making a fool of myself. And um, so there was that. And you know, I think I think when you get a bit more responsibilities in life, like I, I'm I'm married to an absolute legend and i have two beautiful children and um you know run run two businesses and i think with those responsibilities and the older you get i think you kind of for me at least i've really realigned my priorities and realized that it wasn't good for me but then there was no other option like if i was obliged to go out and to a dinner with a client or barbecue with friends like you just have a beer or a glass of wine because that's the thing to do. So um, that started the kind of conversation between us, us four as co-founders to figure out if there's another way to do it. And, and I guess that's how Heaps Normal was born. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's one of the really cool things that everyone sort of brings their own um, reasons and story to it. So, you know, we, we sort of recognize that everyone, everyone was different. Everyone sort of had their own reasons for wanting to drink more or less or whatever and yeah personally i mean working in in the brewing industry for close to a decade i, I kind of just wanted to i definitely wanted to cut back but i didn't want to lose lose the sociability side of you know hanging out and socializing with friends so so for me it was really personally 
a way to drink drink a bit less and allow myself to do the other things I enjoy in life, but still actually, you know, enjoy those social moments with friends with a nice tasting beer as well. Coming from that, that background, that was really important to me to actually make a beer that, that held up to normal craft beers. Probably worth um, just mentioning Andy and Geordie as well. I mean, yeah, um, for sure. You know, and Andy's Andy's been fascinated with culture change for as for as long as you know I think he can remember. So for him, um, you know, it's very much a challenge to get consumers to behave differently, even though it's um, you know it's uh, it's starting to become a, a thing. Um, and there's someone like Geordie, for example. I mean, Geordie's a, a an athlete. He's he's an Olympic athlete. He's a professional surfer. He um, he's come runner up to being the world champion twice. Um, and I think for him, it's like, you know, having that competitive edge of, you know, being the world champion as opposed to being, you know, the bridesmaid again and, and, you mm-hmm. know, looking at alcohol, um, reducing alcohol consumption as that competitive edge of, of how to achieve that. The other sort of thing for me was that it's really tough to make. And, um, that sort of really mm-hmm. drew me in at first too, like getting my head around how to do it well and like the technical brewing element of, the, um, you know, producing a really great alcohol-free beer was a good, really big challenge and still is. So that, that's another sort of real motivating yeah. factor for me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. When you look at companies who have a lot of success, it's often because the people who start that company have a really deep understanding of a problem or they've felt the pain of a problem before. And when you think about non-alcoholic beers and the benefits of that, it is so are varied depending on you as a person like whether it is you you're an athlete and you really just want performance or whether you have experienced some of the really dark sides of alcohol or whether you just are in a profession where by virtue of the profession you're going to be drinking a lot and like after a while that starts to wane on you and it's interesting four co-founders is is probably at the higher end of what you often hear as a company starting, but when you think about the variety of very strong drivers of why people would find a non-alcoholic beer appealing, all of those are strong drivers. And so between the collection of the four co-founders, you've really got that cross-section that will make sure the product is balanced with those things in mind that probably sets you up for uh, a lot of success within the category. Which is really fascinating. You know, each of us having our own purpose and our why is, is really, really important, but on the, on, a, on a kind of bigger macro level as well. Like, I mean, we read a statistic months ago, like, you know, alcohol abuse costs Australia $36 billion a year and things like domestic violence and child abuse and disease and all that kind of stuff like that. So it's, um, you know, as much as it's, we've all got a kind of our own problem that we're trying to solve personally, um, on the on the on the you know the bigger scheme of things, there's a there's a real problem out there. You know, um, you know another kind of sobering statistic is like 66 percent of young Australians are trying to reduce their alcohol consumption. So I think there's this there's a massive shift in in our in our belief of of um, as a you know as a as a community in terms of what we think is the right thing to do when we go out and socialize with our friends. And it's it's interesting to see that shift kind of happening, and we're 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 playing in the middle of it. You know, so it's it's really really exciting. Ben, what does this look like on the actual brewing side and like the beer side? I think, you know, for a lot of people historically, beer and alcohol were synonymous. I don't think the idea that one could exist without having the other as part of it. Um, What does that actually look like in terms of like 
creating the product in and brewing the beer yeah sort of going back to what you were saying before i think about like the generational sort of shift like i think just touching on that like people's tastes are sort of changing um and they're, they're sort of way more people interested in 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 uh you know health and wellness and stuff so um in regards to brewing an actual like non-alcoholic beer um it's essentially the same as a, as a normal beer um what we do is we use a sort of a biological method of producing a beer with sort of a trace a trace amount of alcohol similar to what you'd probably find in like a, a ripe piece of fruit or something so it's got less than 0.5 mm-hmm. percent um and we what we think is that in do in uh using that sort of method we we really retain a lot of the flavor and the character of a beer um as opposed to sort of stripping out the alcohol like a lot of a lot of our traditional non-alcoholic beer is made um yeah so really it's it's a regular beer uh all the way up until the end of the fermentation same ingredients same process just with a few few minor tweaks i tried to do homebrew once and i completely failed um <laughs> uh, but i'm curious on the actual beer producing process so normally the alcohol side is that a byproduct of fermenting it for longer or and you just ferment it for a shorter time frame or how how does the process actually differ the the main difference is the the strain of yeast we use so we use a, a yeast strain mm-hmm. that's sort of selectively ferments so it actually doesn't produce alcohol and and in in conjunction with that we are sort of creating creating a wort which is the fermentable liquid that um i guess lends itself towards less fermentation by that yeast mm-hmm. Uh, so you could leave it for as long as you want. It still actually won't produce alcohol. And then, and it's produced in the same uh, environment as normal beers. Like it's still you're in breweries and things like that. Or yeah. what does that look like? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it looks exactly the same. Same, same, same process all the way through essentially. Um, and yeah, yeah, we're produced in a in a brewery that produces alcoholic beers and and non-alcoholic beers at the moment. Pete, I don't know the exact numbers on this, but I have seen a lot of charts showing just beer consumption overall has been trending down a lot over the last few years and and certainly decades. And I know there's a wide variety of reasons for this. Um, How much do you think part of the reason is that people have been wanting a product like this, that they're not drinking beer because of the alcohol input into it? And like that is actually representative of the demand there will be for a non-alcoholic product or how much is other just societal changes when when we kind of conceptualized the idea we kind of we did, we did a had a lot of research and there was like some very obvious things jumping out there's like a huge growth of consumer spending in the wellness category for example and mental health mm-hmm. is kind of um you know really at the forefront of conversations and that's you know those things have been massively increased with COVID, and you know see this coming more than anybody else did um but there's also kind of a a generational reduction in alcohol consumption there's been um you know an explosion in the kind of what's called the be for you the better for you drinks category um so Mm -hmm. i think i think globally there's kind of this um you know a very big awareness on on you know what alcohol does to your body and the long-term effects it has um you know i've i've i had a conversation with someone the other day who raised a really valid point and they said hey like you know years ago it was really cool to smoke cigarettes like you know john wayne did it, it was all the all the yeah. movies and stuff like that now if like if you smoke a cigarette down at the beach you people look at you like you've done something unforgivable and it's almost like there's a conversation like is alcohol going that way maybe i don't know it's it's probably too early to tell but um there's definitely mm. um a hell of a lot of awareness and i think you know 
we're quite lucky in Australia because we have the, I feel like as entrepreneurs and, and business builders, you have the opportunity to look in maybe some more advanced markets like the US and around Europe about certain things that are happening and what's trending. And it feels like Australia is playing catch up very much at the moment. So, um, yeah. you know, we, we noticed there was a, a, a massive increase in non-alcoholic beers and it's nothing new. It's been around since the sixties. It just hasn't been done very well for a very long time. Mm. So, um, you know, it's been kind of frowned upon and, and not really taken too seriously. And I think there's an opportunity now for, um, for that category to really kind of get to the front of, of, of the queue, so to speak, because, you know, it's, um, we're, we're, very much through our, our, our branding and our messaging, our, our kind of tagline is like too good to be wasted. And what does that mean to you? Like what's, what's, you know, if you're going to go out tonight and, and not drink alcohol, like why are you doing that? What is the thing in the morning you need to wake up and do? Is it being a parent? Is it, is it going to the gym because you're conscious of your fitness? Is it going for mm. a surf in the morning or, or for a jog or, the, or whatever you do for fitness? Or is it, you know, is it you've, you're really focused at work and you want to kind of get up early and crack out a few more hours before the, you know, the nine o'clock kind of movement comes in and everyone gets really busy again. So I think, you know, there's, there is a massive movement around at the moment. I think we we are very much playing catch up here in Australia, um, and yeah, there's just a, there's just people just seem to be consuming a lot less less alcohol at the moment. As part of that sort of movement, we are drinking less less beer on a whole, but actually more craft beer. So even though beers sort of yeah. dropped off a lot, craft beer has actually grown a huge amount in the last ten years. So as part of that, I think you know people's tastes are changing. They want to drink less, but they also want to drink better quality products. And, and yep. so without, without, I mean, Heaps Normal's a craft non-alcoholic beer. It's really hoppy. It's flavoursome. It's not, it's unlike sort of most alcoholic beers that, that I guess people would have tried up, up until recently. So we're sort of yep. fitting into that as well. It seems that, that really when thinking about this category, it's not an either or. It's not you either drink alcoholic beers or you drink non-alcoholic beers, that actually the two can coexist and they can coexist in a way that, they really add to each other. Like that friend I was talking about who was saying, you know, he really likes a beer sometimes to take the edge off. He's like, it's not all the time. It's just every now and then. And it's only mm. one or two beers that do that. But then I want to stay at the barbecue longer and non-alcoholic beers would actually be great. You've pretty much hit the nail on the head, really. Um, and Andy summed it up beautifully the other day and said, hey, we actually, we, we make non-alcoholic beer for people who want to drink more. Um, and you'd think that a non-alcoholic beer company would be, hey, guys, don't drink normal beer, drink non-alcoholic beer. But it's if, if anything, it's the opposite. I think, um, you know, we're, we're all, like we've said from day one, we're all fans of a beer and we, we all appreciate um, – you know what some of our friends at other beer companies like filter and bolter and grifter have, have kind of created and we appreciate those taste flavors and those palettes but you know we don't want to have seven or eight of them in an evening and probably have a headache the next morning um and i think it you know not the fact that we don't preach sobriety and we're we're, we're you know have have a normal beer and then have a heaps normal beer um yeah there's there's a really nice opportunity there. I mean, we're in, we're we're um we're actually in the behind the bar at Filters um, Brew House as well. We're at um we're with Capital in, in Canberra. You can buy heaps on behind the bar. So we're 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 actually partnering up with, you know normal beer companies to have heaps normal as their non-arc offering and it, and, it, and it works really well. It's a complementary thing and it's um yeah, it's exciting to see how it's coming together. How do people actually consume it? Like I know I personally if I was to rank how I like consuming beer, normally it's out of a tap, 
out of a bottle and then out of a can. And I think there's been a pretty well-worn path in the way that craft breweries have attacked the market in that they seem to get on taps at a few key locations and that helps build the brand. And then they go more direct to consumer with bottle shops. Um, is that a similar path? Is, is that even right? Like I, I'm just observing that and it could be yeah, totally wrong. So. And then if it is right, is that the path that you think you will take as a company? And and then if so, like, this is like a three-leg question. Yeah, I'm sorry sure. about that. Uh, is our pubs and stuff open to that? Are they like, yeah, we'd love a non-alcoholic beer on tap? Because I imagine that tap real estate is tricky. Pubs sort of haven't been our biggest customers yet, partly because mm-hmm. we we intentionally sort of chose to to really sort of be a little bit light on that front, given the whole weird year with COVID and, and sort of on-premise venues were sort of struggling as it was. So we didn't really want to hassle them in a way. Um, we mm-hmm. spent a lot of lot of focus on off off premise bottle uh, bottle shops and online retailers, and it, yeah, yeah, we've seen a lot of traction through those channels, which is really cool, and also our own online store as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, like we, we plan to sort of grow the business in in that traditional way of wholesale through venues on and off premise and with also a direct to consumer channel as well. Um, and yeah, I think like ideally we we want people to enjoy this in the same way that they enjoy their favorite beer. So you know, at a at a pub with their friends or at a, at a gig or a barbecue, however, um, mm-hmm. however you like to drink beer in any other context. Um, and I think that's sort of the the heart of what we're trying to do we just want to make people we just want people to sort of think about their their alcohol consumption whether that's positive or negative if they're thinking about it and you know they they choose a heaps normal beer every other beer that's that's really cool for us it's more than thinking about it's more empowering them with choice too right like i think as well yeah you've all been we've all been i think the person at the barbecue that's had the two beers and it's hour two and they're like oh god if i have a third i can't drive and then they've got mm. no option like it's like well you're either in or you're out and it's like well i'd prefer to be both i'd prefer to be in at the barbecue <laughs> for a couple of hours and then out and heading home and you we just haven't had that choice um which it which it seems like you guys enable really interestingly that that path of uh craft beers I think is a pretty interesting one that we've seen over the last few years where, you know, it used to be there was only like two choices if you wanted a beer and then that's really opened up. And that path, it it looks like independent startup, they get to a certain size and then the big beer companies buy them. Like if you look at the big beer companies, the amount of different sub-brands they have is huge. And most of them seem to be from acquisition versus the big beer companies starting them themselves. Um, has, has that got harder though? Like I imagine as those big beer companies, as that path became somewhat well-worn for an independent craft beer where it's like start, build your brand, big company buys you. You build your brand this way, you know, you get into these pubs, you start selling this way. But I, I know a lot of those big brewers also buy the pubs and so they probably have made that path harder over time or they've promoted their own brands more aggressively over time and like as their portfolio of brands has broadened they probably almost have that competition within themselves let alone people outside 
getting access to that distribution. Like, has that path to market for you as a company got harder? Maybe, Ben, if you start off and then Pete jump in around how you think about that. Um, we've sort of seen like the both ends of that spectrum. Like we're in the market, we've gone to people and they're, they're sort of crying out for the product and they're, they, they love it straight away and they've really been wanting, you know, a flavoursome alcohol-free beer that they can drink at the pub, um, which has been awesome. So it's been easy in that in that way. We sort of had a bit of an early mover advantage. But the other end of the spectrum is people not not ready for the, the product. Like the category is super mm-hmm. infant. So, you know, going to a pub and saying, we've got an alcohol-free beer, a lot of people are just like, well, what's the point of that? So we like it's, yeah. that, that's that's sort of one of our challenges is actually getting people to sort of try the beer and then think about when, when and where they'd probably like to drink it. So we sort of we've, we've had does, both experiences. How how what are the like the factors amongst situations where you're getting that response? Like it's interesting. I was half wondering as you were answering that. In a way, the driving input into whether I drink or not is actually huge. Like I don't want to break the law. If I'm in an area where I have to drive to get around, it, by necessity, I'm probably going to be drinking your product, even if it tastes exactly the same to me. But like, yeah, what are some of the, where if I'm in a city, I can take an Uber or, or something and it's fine. Um, what, what are some of the inputs into where you get that reaction of like, what is the point of an alcohol-free beer? Well, part of it is sort of like the reason why people drink in the first place. Like if you're just drinking to get wasted, you probably don't want to drink an alcohol-free beer. If you're drinking because you like the, you know, you've got a really good association with the experience of, of, you know, socializing and drinking or going out and drinking with friends, et cetera. Um, or you're drinking for taste and flavor and, you know, you really like IPAs or stouts or whatever, and you, you love exploring those sort of flavors, then the alcohol isn't necessarily the, the thing you're chasing, you know, and, we're yeah. sort of hoping that we can we can showcase those those flavors in an alcohol free beer and you know allow people to sort of st- still be out and about and socializing without necessarily always drinking. Yeah, Pete, you were telling me a story last week about a uh, eighty year old gentleman who bought some of your product and how um, how impactful it was for him, which seems to be along these lines. Do you, I, I think it would be a great one for our audience to hear. Yeah, well, we got some, we got some more of those stories over the last week or so as well that I'd like to share with you too. Um, it's been it's been um, yeah, I've been in a couple of weeks for the last few weeks. We, we were on the road in Melbourne, um, Benny and Andy and I the last last week or so, kind of seeing some customers. But um, the one you're talking about was a, a, a bottle shop customer of ours in Canberra. And we went to go check them out and kind of, you know, see how it was going. And um, and we were, we were speaking to the owner and, and you know, I said, oh, what's the kind of average person that comes in here? I think it'll be kind of like, you know, that 20, 30-year-old, like mid-30 mid kind of dude normally, like, um, or girl. Um, and he goes, it has been, but he goes, the other day we had a, a guy come in. He said he was like early 80s. He just walked past. He'd never been in here before. Um, he, he said to the guy behind the counter, hey, my, my doctor said I need to stop drinking beer and I've had a beer every single night for the last 50 years. Um, is there any such thing as a non-alcoholic beer? And he goes, well, funny enough, we've got this new business, new brand called Heaps Normal and he gave him a four-pack and he came back the next day and bought a case and just said, this has changed my life. Like I can have a beer again and and be happy about it, not have that guilt so that I'm kind of you know ruining my body and upsetting my doctor. So there's there's been a few of those stories that are popping up and it's really interesting to hear. Um, you know, we 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 saw a, a a publican 
friend of ours in, in Melbourne last week, and he said there's, you know, again, there's like these four old men that come in like every day and have a drink and it's their community. Like they're probably widowed, like they, mm. you know, they're, they're all alone. And, but you, you know, also they're getting older and the doctors are probably giving them the same kind of information. So what he started doing is they've started going, Hey, do you have any, like a lighter beer? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's just pouring them on a non-alcoholic heaps normal. And then none the wiser. And they, 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 you know, then they yeah. find out it's non-alcoholic and they, they're happy not to tell anyone about it. They just sit there drinking their quote unquote beer. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, kind of, adjusting it that way on the flip side we are we're in we're in a bottle shop here in manly where i live called winona who's a really good customer of ours and we went in there the other day and the um the, the lady behind the counter said oh we had like these young like 20 some year olds come in the other day and they grabbed a four pack and put on the counter they were on you know on the way out for a night out at a friend's house and they said to them you know this is non-alcoholic right and they went yeah yeah of course like we you know we've got to work tomorrow we want to get up and go for a surf in the morning so it's really kind of like we're really starting to hear these stories now. I mean, we we launched kind of best part of four months ago. Like we haven't been in market for very long, but there's these really mm. kind of interesting and beautiful stories coming out of people who, you know, we hear these stories and we're like they they get it. You know what I mean? And and I think yeah, like Benny said, although it although the category is still very much in, in its infancy stages, I think people are educating themselves and they're realizing you know there's there is a shift in how we consume alcohol and and any any kind of food and drink for that matter and and they are being a lot more conscious about how much alcohol they consume and it seems like you guys yeah for a company that's launched uh very recently you've got a lot of traction very quickly like i think i read you've sold out twice already like what are some of the i i understand a lot of the reasons why people want to consume the product i am a hundred percent in that camp but how did you get the word out so fast and how did you get such traction out of the gates? Like I think, you know, having a great idea that serves a need is only half the battle. It's finding people where they're, where that's true and, and convincing them you are the right product. Like what are some of the key things you did early on that helped you get to a place where you're selling out twice within the first few months? Yeah, as part of the whole sort of R&D process um, in developing the beer, we, I spent about six months trialing the the product at home and then before we sort of moved it into a commercial size batch we did we did um like a brewery size trial um Mm -hmm. so a a full-scale brew but we didn't actually package and sell the beer so essentially we needed to make sure we could we could actually make it within spec and it tasted how we wanted to taste um and what we did was we packaged like i think it was about 40 or 50 blank blank cans blank cases of cans and just stick it up ourselves and then basically before we actually produce any commercial batch we we spent a month or so just hitting the hitting the road and getting those out to all our friends and family and you know people we knew in in hospitality and stuff saying you know talking about it um mm-hmm. showing them the beer getting them to taste it and seeing if you know just sort of seeing if they're interested in it at all and then by the time we actually launched with our first batch there was already a little bit of awareness out there which i think helped a lot um mm-hmm. it, was, it was a cool thing to do it was a bit of a test you know I think everybody likes to think, oh, just rank on the first page of Google when your business is home. But it's like when you dig into a lot of the early stories of most companies, that early growth is very uh, hard won. It's fair to say the stars aligned. I mean, we, we're, we're, we're not shy of hard work. And I think, you know, there's been ridiculous late nights like there always are and, and you know, sacrifices made to to start something from nothing and and we're all very much aware of that and we and we love it but i think 
there's a few things that I, th- in my mind, I think have lined up, and you know, one of them for me is purpose. And I think I've I've had a really weird kind of understanding of what that meant for a long time because I'd heard it a lot, and you know, like Simon Sinek start with why, like I kind of I kind of read it, but I didn't really quite get it, and then. Um, I suffered burnout a couple of years ago and kind of went pretty deep on kind of journaling and all that kind of stuff and realized like kind of my purpose and which plays very much into what we're doing here. Um, and I think we all have a bit of that going on as well. Um, I think, you know, uh, COVID, if anything, has helped us because people have been, you know, in lockdown and very much aware of, of just, you know, drinking through it and trying to use that as a coping mechanism. So there's been a lot of awareness around that. And I think, we, we need to call out, um, we've come through the Startmate Accelerator program, which is run by Blackbird Ventures. Mm-hmm. So um, for those listeners that don't know, um, Blackbird is a, a prominent uh, investment VC firm here in, in Sydney in Australia. And um, um, Andy, uh, our, our other co-founder, is friends with a guy named Nick Crocker. And, and Nick, Nick had approached Andy and heard what he was doing and said, hey, like, you guys should just approach like apply to get in like you you'll never get in because you're like a non-art beer company and they're pre- predominantly like a i think it's probably fair to say like a tech focused investment company investment um firm but mm-hmm. he said just going through the application process you'll you know the questions we ask and that will get you to think a lot differently about how you kind of consider yourself you know what your plans are and how you how you're going to grow the business so we did the we did the kind of the onboarding form and it was again like crazy questions that really kind of got us thinking differently. And then we submitted that. And then to our surprise, we got selected as a, you know, shortlist. I think the top 30 got shortlisted and we did kind of this three hour speed dating thing on zoom with all these amazing investors and, and mentors. And, um, and then to a surprise, we got selected as I think the top 14 that got kind of invested. And so we took some investment money from Blackbird or Startmate. Um, and then we, we engaged in this 12 week program, which was, um, absolutely game changing for a company at, at our kind of young phase and, and, and life phases as, as a business. Um, we got, you know, daily meetings with um, some really established entrepreneurs and, and, and business builders who, you know, have walked the same path years ago and, and exited very successfully, some of them more than once. Um, so just having that kind of that network of people to kind of fall back on and, you know, their, their kind of ethos is if, if there's something you don't know how to do, there'll be somebody in the network who knows how to do it with their eyes closed. So mm-hmm. just having that kind of support system as such. So we're, we're super grateful and, and feel very lucky and thankful to Blackbird and Startmate for gifting us that opportunity. I think it, um, I don't think we'd be here without having gone through that because it, um, it definitely helped kind of get eyes on what we're doing and it got some really important people talking about it. Um, so there's been a number of things that have kind of all lined up and, and, you know, we, we, we were about to go to kegs before COVID was a thing and, and we were a week or two away from wow. it. And thank goodness we had some holdups at the brewery that we, we couldn't get into kegs. So if we had got into kegs and then COVID hit, we would have been dead in the water. We were set with all this stock that we couldn't sell. Wow. Um, so timing, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if lucky is the right word. Um, my, my granddad was an avid golfer and his favorite quote was a Gary player quote saying that the more I practice, the luckier I get. So um, I, I think yeah. I think we were lucky, but we've also, you know, we've also are working really hard. We, we've only just started. There's there's a lot of hard work ahead of us, but we get excited to get out of bed in the morning and kind of half-five each other and, and, and crack on. And Benny's, Benny's, you know, Benny's made an incredible liquid that I think he deserves huge credit for. Um, it's really hard to make a good tasting non-art beer because most of them yep. don't taste very good. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think we've done something that's different. And, um, and you know, our brand as well, like our brand is, 
it's I feel like it's quite unique. Like we've we stand for something. We're not we're not a big beer company that's ticking a non-alcoholic box. We're a non-alcoholic beer company, and we're we're doing this because we think there's a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I I mean, Blackbird and Startmate are doing some incredible work. Like I think if they compare against the best VCs and accelerators in in the world, no matter uh, which way you're looking at it, which is really impressive given. Uh, their location in Australia, a lot of those companies are globally focused. And it's interesting, I was listening to a talk by another person that runs an accelerator, Bill Gross, a few years ago. And he did like a historical study of startups that he'd invested in and where they went well and what factors really contributed to that. And to your point, there's never one thing. Like you can't Mm. just be lucky and then be sleeping 16 hours a day, 20 hours a day, and and your company will take off. You need luck and hard work and a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. And I think as he dissected what luck actually meant, it was timing and timing around something that's true now that didn't used to be true. And, you know, normally he's talking about technology. And so, like, what's the technology that enables the growth of the company? Like smartphones enabling Uber, for instance, like, that didn't exist 10 years before Uber couldn't have existed in the way 10 years before the smartphone was ubiquitous. It's, it's interesting. You, I, as you said, like your launch seems to be at a time where a bunch of themes are converging between health, between people realizing the uh, negative consequences of too much alcohol consumption. And then probably most importantly is taste and what it seems like ben you've been able to do on the taste side because i think it's interesting we had um we we've had some alternative protein like plant-based meat v2 foods on a few episodes ago and when they thought about their product it's very similar it's like no this has to taste just as good or better than a regular uh hamburger or mincemeat or whatever it is Otherwise, we're not even in the conversation. And alternative, like non-animal, I don't know, whatever you call it, alternative protein meats have existed for since the 60s as well, same as non-alcoholic beer. But it seems like there hasn't been the attention or the ability to pull off the taste element. Like, what has changed there, Ben? I'm sure these people producing non-alcoholic beers in the 60s weren't trying to make it taste like water, but that's kind of what happened. Like what, mm. yeah, has changed. Obviously, the, you know, the, the trends in, in tastes and beer drinking have changed massively in the last two decades in Australia. So the whole craft beer movement has massively changed, changed beer. And we're sort of, I guess, piggybacking on that, that movement in creating an XPA, which is like sort of an unashamedly hoppy, hop-forward hop forward beer unlike i guess the the mass produced lagers you you might be thinking of back in the 60s when if you were trying to drink an alcohol free beer i guess you know beer before before that full craft beer movement was just beer it was like one type of beer that we, we we had here in australia um and that's that's changed really for the good in the last in the last sort of decade and a bit and um you know there's so many beer styles available and so many brewers out there doing really cool stuff um and i guess yeah we sort of we we sort of i guess you know taking on to that sort of movement in a, in a slightly niche yeah. niche way by producing alcohol free beers and and there were like, there there were a couple of people 
doing it before us too, it should be said, like Sober up in Brizzy. Mm. Um, have been making alcohol-free beers for a few years using some really unique flavors, which is, which is pretty awesome. I think the timing as it relates to people's taste, it's not taste for non-alcoholic beer, obviously. It's taste for a variety of craft beers that has really been the catalyst for the growth of like craft beer as a category, I think, as we've said, has, has taken off a lot. And then you're, you're viewing your taste as part of that movement just yeah. with enabling it with these other attributes of uh, no hangover and, and good beer. I mean, the, I guess one way to think of it is the, the alcohol-free part of the beer is, is kind of like an afterthought. We still want to make a beer that tastes like a beer. Yeah. Otherwise, people aren't going to continue to drink it. And personally, for, for me, like I want to you know, drink a little bit less, but I still want to drink beer. And coming from a craft beer background, I, I want to drink a beer that tastes good and something that yep. I want to go back to, you know. This series has tried to promote is like businesses that are being successful where they're doing something that was unconventional but is slowly becoming conventional. And I think that's like how every business gets successful. But in terms of um, your journey, I understand like, out, like alcohol-free beer at this stage is unconventional but are there other things that you're doing that other like craft beer brands just don't do that are helping you raise awareness get traction with your market that you think you're right about that other people either think you're wrong about or aren't thinking about i think there's a lot of room for us to play in spaces where traditional brewers can't um given that we're alcohol-free um, and we've talked a lot about a lot about those sort of things, um, but still probably haven't tapped into it as well as we could have. I'd say. Yeah, I think. Look, there's some there's some there's some really kind of cool things happening in the in the space around kind of you know mental health and 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 awareness and stuff like that. I mean, we you know we're looking at doing some potential work with. You know, we've been chatting to the guys at One Wave, for example, and and Hello Sunday Morning. Um, I'm good friends with a guy named Mitch Wallace who runs a charity called Heart on My Sleeve. Um, so I think there's opportunities to play in those kind of spaces because you know, a, a lot of those. Um, I, I think a lot of people who who you know battle in those kind of areas. If you look look at it, a lot of those a lot of anxiety is kind of link, linked back to kind of substance abuse, whether that's drugs or alcohol or whatever that mm -hmm. might be. I listened I listened to a Russell Brand podcast yesterday, and he said, um, he said, you know, addiction is addiction, and 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 substance abuse is linked to a loss of connection, which I think is a really interesting kind of thought because you know if you're if you're kind of content and happy in your life, I feel like. You, you don't need those other things in your life where if you're kind of like a yeah. little bit lost and confused and, you know, then, you know, let's, let's drink to not feel like that anymore, which I think is very understandable. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up with alcoholism in my family. I, my, my dad, um, my dad committed suicide when I was 11. He was an alcoholic. So I've kind of grown up in the shadow of that. So I think, you know, that's the serious stuff, but I think there's also another conversation we had, like less about the negative side of alcohol abuse, but more, more around the positiveness of, of you know moderating your alcohol intake and like like we said earlier mm. we're, we're by no means preaching sobriety but um you know there's there's something really really awesome about you know i mean we, we'll surf for example so not to alienate people who don't surf but like you know paddling on the ocean at 5 a.m when the sun's coming up as opposed to getting up at 10 30 with a hangover like it's um it's, it's a very 
different experience on a Saturday morning, you know? So I think um, yeah. there's, there's a lot of, there's a, to answer your question, there's a lot of kind of things that we can do as a business, as a brand. Um, and it's great that there's other businesses as well. We've got some competitors in the space as well, like Upflow and, and Benny mentioned Sober as well. And I think they're all doing some really interesting things. And I think it's just really healthy yeah. for the category. It's interesting. That's something that we saw with B2 Foods too. And I've seen with other uh, plant-based protein companies where, yeah, I think the CEO of uh, uh, Beyond Meat came out saying, like, we're not competitors with Impossible. Like, we all mm. want the category to thrive and we'll all do well. And so, like, I totally. wish them all the most success. And it, it sounds like you're in that camp. And it's interesting. I hadn't thought enough about, like, actually being alcohol-free probably just even opens up where your product can be consumed and purchased. Like, I think a story I heard, a few years ago, which was really unfortunate, but is also probably the opportunity for you guys, was some professor was at a sports game with their underage son in the US and he was went to get some drinks, like like non-alcoholic drinks, like a water and stuff. He asked his son what he's wanted. He's like, oh, lemonade. Brought back Mike's hard lemonade, not knowing <laughs> it was an alcoholic lemonade. Gave it to his son, got seen by the police, got arrested for no purchasing and his son consuming an underage enabling underage person to consume alcohol uh i don't know what ended up happening post the arrest but it was pretty interesting that like uh i can see the flip of that where you're at a sports game and you're not able to consume alcohol but you just want the taste of a beer it's like oh well we're a non-alcoholic beer we could be sold right beside mm. the bottle of water like that's pretty fascinating opportunity for you guys as a brand where I'm myself, I don't drink much. I get pretty sick of drinking water. And I'm like, I don't want to mm. drink alcohol, but I need more variety than just water. Mm. And like, even though a, I would be the person maybe at a barbecue that would have a milkshake occasionally, kind of a milkshake all the time. But uh, I think a beer is that, you know, one or two taste great. And I could have it with a lot of frequency but it's just not available in a widespread way mm. yet um, because there's a lot of those restrictions on alcoholic drinks, whether it's venues or personal restrictions because you've got other stuff that you want to do. Um, and so it really unlocks not only this option for people, but it unlocks for you as a company where that option could be served in ways that traditional alcoholic beers can't be so actually served which is pretty fascinating perfect example of that is we've we've just got into david jones so we're in all the david jones um kind of food courts and and cafeterias around the country which is which is hugely exciting and you know um there are there's a there's a lot of opportunities not having alcohol where you know we could we could be and those are things where we're you know, super excited about, you know, like Benny said, it's very much the infancy stage of this category. I think there's still a lot of things we all need to figure out, but, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it's really, really exciting what's going on at the moment in this space. So we're, we're really pumped. No, I, I'm, I'm pumped that you guys were able to make it on our show. I think it's something that chatting to colleagues in the States, uh, to your point earlier, I do think they are a bit ahead of us. I was chatting to one and he was like, oh, non-alcoholic beer is mainstream. I was like, it's not mainstream. Mm. I can't, I can't <laughs> get it at most of the places where I want to yet. Like I still have to definitely seek it out, but I think it's really uh, awesome. Like as somebody 
who went to those barbecues and had to sleep in a lot of swags or on couches or different places when he would much rather be sleeping at home. If for that fact alone, I wish this product existed as I was growing up, but you know, or I think anybody that wants to be productive the next day or has health issues, meaning they can't consume alcohol or there's so many core reasons that mean that this product is super appealing to people and it's going to empower them to have taste and be able to live their life in the way that they want, which previously those two things didn't exist. You could either have the taste and the experience, but not you'd pay for it on the life side. But I think you guys are finding that middle ground, not just with that person and and their consumption and, and the ramifications of that, but also like where it can be sold and where it can be consumed. Mm. And I think that just means the market opportunity is huge. And I guess selling out two times in the first three months is probably a good signal of just how strong people's appetite is. So uh, feels like you're onto a huge business in a super interesting category that frankly, like, you know, I wish it existed 20 years ago, but if not 20 years ago, now is just as good. So uh, <laughs> thank you. Thanks, thank you for being around and thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, really cool to chat with you. And thanks for uh, thanks for kind of getting us on. It's been it's been awesome. Thanks for tuning in to Unconventional Business by HubSpot. If you liked what you listened to, please subscribe and I'll catch you on the next episode.